welcome to What Would You Say You Do Here, a podcast about product management, all things product managery. And today we're going to be talking about remote life as a PM in quarantine. I believe that the uh, remote work in quarantine has been a topic that everyone has talked about. So I hope we have a few unique things to talk about when it comes to being a product manager in quarantine. I think we have kind of a unique take on it as product managers. Absolutely. And I think we're all uh, approaching uh, expert level uh, in terms of like communication and uh, just remote work in general. So taking a step back to think about how we as product managers can use this time to either improve our craft uh, or just make sure that we keep uh, effectively product managing uh, throughout all this would be, it seems like a good topic to us. Well said. And speaking of craft, Aaron, what are you drinking tonight? I'm actually drinking the craftiest of beers, one that I made myself. Um, <laughs> it is a New Zealand Pilsner. Um, and I'm trying to finish it up so I can put it, make room for a pale ale next week that okay. I made last weekend. That is the craftiest of beers. I am drinking a Dogfish Head 60-minute IPA. I was in the mood for something a little light, not too heavy. Hopefully, like our topic this evening. See how I did that? That segue? I, I love that. I love that segue. Something unique about product managers is that the role itself is all about communication. So when it comes to staying in communication with various different teams in quarantine, I think we're kind of very well qualified to do that. Yeah, it's already such a huge part of our roles, you know, being kind of this communication hub between stakeholders and customers and other teams uh, that I think there's definitely an opportunity for, you know, product managers to, to shine uh, in this remote work situation. And I think we already have a lot of the skills that will make us successful uh, within remote work in general. Yeah, absolutely agreed. I think, you know, getting everyone on the same page, disparate people, disparate departments, you know, maybe people who don't necessarily want to be on the same page, getting them all to agree on something is pretty much our job. So I think we can handle this. And I think that all the product managers that I know and have talked to are handling this pretty well. Yeah. Uh, most most PMs that I have really talked about this, like from a PM perspective, seem to really enjoy the remote work. Yeah. So maybe we yeah. could talk about uh, what is it that you know makes remote work successful as a product manager. I think uh, one of the biggest things that I noticed, and I'm pretty sure that everybody noticed this at the very beginning of the quarantine, was over-communication. Mm-hmm. There was this fear right at the beginning. You know, we're entering a whole new world. Everyone's been doing some level of remote before, but this was 100% enforced. Instinct at the very beginning was to just over-communicate. Let's talk all the time. Let's be on more meetings. Yep. It was it was how I actually convinced uh, my engineering teams to finally do a daily stand up because <laughs> I have been pushing for that uh, for a while and they fought me tooth and nail yeah. and I finally all it took was a global pandemic for me to get my way. <laughs> Same here. We did two weekly stand ups in Slack and one weekly meeting in person and we're now doing five meetings a week. It's very exciting and that's at least five meetings a week. Sometimes on Wednesdays we have two meetings a day, which is very exciting. Yeah. I think everyone on the teams that I worked with uh, realized quickly that, oh, we actually do stay in much better touch now with the daily standup. And like, we're all more aware of when someone does hit a snag or runs into some kind of roadblock. 
people were more willing to he- jump in and help out just because they knew what we, you know that someone was facing this challenge. Yeah. And I felt I felt like in some ways I, I think our my team's velocities actually went up as a result of it because we were kind of yeah. knocking down any of those roadblocks as, as a team rather than someone just sort of like rattling away at it individually for a week or so before they fess up that they've been stuck on it. Yeah, our velocity went up as well. My teams went up something like by like 25%. But I do think there's a balance there. So for my team, I think we hit this new level of communication that was really good. But then all teams were trying to do that. And I'm a part of several teams. So for me personally, I felt like I was doing nothing but meet all day long, every day for the first month of the pandemic. Yeah, and I was I was a product manager on two different teams for the first like two months of it. So both of those engineering teams had daily standups. The PM groups that each of those teams sort of rolled up to were also having, I think, daily Slack standups. And then two of the major projects I was on was also having like, each of them were having bi-weekly syncs. And at the end of the week, I mean, I think I had like 30 hours of meetings in a week. And then the the problem became, when do I get any work done? Yeah. You can't work if you're in if you're in meetings for thirty hours a week or more, since you said you added thirty hours. Exactly. So yeah, I think uh, people I think people overcorrected at first, and then we we learned like okay, we can we can back off on like the daily uh, occurrences uh, in in syncs and yeah yeah I think I think definitely like you know twice two or three times a week just checking in seems to be a pretty good practice. I agree. Yeah, I think we we've got a um, a daily meeting with my engineering team. And then each department that's, you know, comprised of several engineering teams is meeting regularly, but not daily. And then the product team is meeting twice a week. So it's a much better cadence, totally manageable. And I still think it's a pretty good level of communication that we didn't necessarily even have before. I feel like at this point, I'm more up on what other departments are doing than I was before quarantine. Okay, that's a that's a great side effect of all of this. Yeah, yeah. So I really hope that's something that we can keep, you know, that level of communication that we've reached. And maybe it's not all necessary when we get back in the office, but hopefully we'll we'll keep some of it. So how do we stay in touch? Excellent question. I think one thing that I've noticed about remote meetings is before when we had them with, you know, there'd be one or two people who were working from home that day, but most people were in the office. I know I personally would always feel like, well, maybe I need to keep the microphone muted. Maybe I don't need to speak up so much. Because I'm the person working from home. Like I'm the person inconveniencing people. They had to log into a remote meeting. I, you know, I feel like I'm, I just need to be quiet. And obviously that was incorrect. <laughs> That's not a great, way, a great way to be, but it was how I felt. And now that everyone is working remote, I've had multiple people tell me that they felt that way as well. Everyone's cameras are on, everyone's unmuted and talking, and it feels like a lot more equal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's interesting that you're, you're talking about the, you know, equality and like, I think also just seeing like more people participating in the meeting too has been an interesting side effect of this, which is great. I mean, this is why we build, you know, these diverse teams and want people to collaborate together. And finally, everyone is fully collaborating, I think, in a, to a degree that I haven't seen in, in a while. Oh, yeah, I love it. I have engineers who are very quiet and it's suddenly like you put them on camera and they will talk, which is fantastic. I don't know if it was just they needed that push that, you know, well, everyone's remote, we're all equal, I have to speak up now, or if they're just more comfortable being home, I don't know, but it seems to be working out pretty well. Yeah, and, and definitely, I think what you said, just having the camera on is a really important um, 
part. I think it's very easy if you have the camera off to totally take a passive approach to the meeting. You're not focusing on it as much. You might be doing something else on the, you might be quote unquote multitasking and, and completely ignoring the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, having the camera on definitely keeps you a bit more honest. I think it forces the engagement and yeah, like it's a uh, higher quality collaboration from, from everyone. Yeah. My engineering manager has enforced the camera on rule during all sync meetings. So we have our, our daily, it's a little bit more than a stand up, go a little bit more in depth into blockers and talks. We call it a sync meeting, but he, he says cameras on. And as he says, he wants to see our happy smiling faces. But I know what he's doing is he wants people to be engaged. He wants people to actually be interacting with everyone else instead of doing work or petting the dog or whatever. Although I have to say, my favorite part of all this is seeing everyone's pets and kids. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's been really cool to get a glimpse into like the personal lives of your colleagues and really understand who they are as people outside of the office. Yeah, I've got one engineer who is definitely like Dr. Evil. He just sits there with his cat who just meows very loudly. And then everyone asks him a question, which is fantastic. I love it. Yeah, I know all my, my coworkers, cats and dogs and yeah. and children now. Yeah, it's fantastic. It was, it's surprising that it took everyone going home for me to learn things about some of my coworkers. Makes me feel a little bit bad about the questions that I didn't ask them beforehand, but <laughs> I know now. Yeah, and my kids have definitely uh, busted in the door a couple times uh, <laughs> in the middle of a meeting. But it's awesome. It's it's also it's kind of a good uh, icebreaker, and it diffuses any yeah you know, just any other tension there might be in in a meeting. It does, and it keeps things human. It reminds people that everyone does have other stuff going on. You know, it's one thing to say, "Well, this person needs to leave early because their kid is sick," and it's another to actually see that child on camera and have said hello to them. And then when they say they need some time off, you're like, oh, yeah, no, I know, because I've seen his kid. I've seen the fact that the dog is sick or, you know, whatever it is that they've got going on. You can actually see it. It's kind of nice. I like it. See, all we needed to be more human was to be further apart. <laughs> As an introvert, I've been saying <laughs> years. No <laughs> Are you thriving as an introvert in this environment? You know, uh, the funny thing is I feel kind of guilty saying that I have been, but I totally have been. I feel like I have gotten my mental health kind of rejuvenated. I've been able to do some projects like this podcast that I haven't been able to do before because I was putting off because when I'm interacting with people all day, I need to go home and be alone and be quiet and have my, you know, my free time to clear my head. Now I've got so much time to clear my head that I feel like I'm energized and wanting to do other projects. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am getting to a point now where I'm starting to go a little stir crazy. So I'm feeling really bad for all my extrovert friends who've been stir crazy for months now. Yeah. As a parent of like two children under the age of three, I don't do anything anyways. So like, I don't feel like my life has really been interrupted all that much. Yeah, there there's a certain element of that of people saying, uh, oh, man, you know, I, just, I miss going out. I'm like, going out? What's that? I know about that. <laughs> I do miss the beach, though. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to need to go to the beach at some point in the summer. So what do you find uh, helpful? I, I think we already touched on a lot of these for staying in sync with your team and you also had something about 60% of communication being nonverbal. Oh, yeah, which is a statistic I, I slightly made up. I've heard this now anywhere between like 30 and 80% of communication is nonverbal. I think we can agree that a lot of it is nonverbal. I think we all know from trying to Slack people that we don't necessarily get along with very well that it's very hard to read tone in Slack. Oh, yeah. If you have them on the camera or if you're talking to them face-to-face, you can see that they weren't being snarky. You can read their face and read their expressions and see what they're actually trying to say to you. Yeah. And I have found that people that I, there are certain personalities that I battle with uh, via like Slack or and text communication 
partly because, yeah, the inability to read tone, but also I, I think some people revert to like this sort of like inner troll sometimes when you have these uh, Slack communications and the face-to-face like over the camera discussions actually removes any of that aggression or any confrontational issues that you might have otherwise. Absolutely. I noticed that something else that I think is important, and I know that my company has been doing this, and I personally have been trying to do this with friends, is make sure that we're keeping the fun. Yeah. Because if you're just talking to people about work all day, or you're losing touch with friends and family that you don't see all the time, you're not in a good mental space. You're not going to be as productive. You're not going to be as happy. So I do think it's important to keep some fun involved too, especially at work. Yeah. Some cool ideas that I've uh, either heard or experienced are, you know, obviously the letting everyone's doing the virtual happy hours, the, you know, these days. Virtual games or game night, or even if you can afford it, like a, a maybe a game during lunchtime is a really good way to kind of stay in touch with your, your teammates and, and also like get to know them a bit better and have some fun. Yeah. We had a lot of fun with Pictionary kind of online game. There's a bunch of different versions of it out there, but definitely recommend people play some games with their coworkers if they're looking to de-stress. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, one thing that I've done is Netflix Party, which is a Chrome plugin and allows you to sync up your Netflix playback. So you pick a movie, everyone installs the Chrome extension and you go in, you click on the Chrome extension, you open Netflix and it gives you an old school like AIM chat window. There's no video, there's no emojis. You can pick from a pre-selected group of 12 different avatars and that's it. So it's very bare bones and it really makes you talk to people. It's kind of fun, kind of a challenge, but I really liked it. That was a lot of fun. I think people were a lot more engaged than they would be if they were just using their regular communication channels of Zoom and Hangouts and Slack. Yeah, cool. Yeah, something that I have not enjoyed is like virtual lunches. I don't want to see you eating on camera. You don't want to see me. Let's just let's just skip the virtual lunch, okay? <laughs> I agree. I agree. But my company does it. They do like a big company one. Oh, yeah. It'll be like, you know, half the company will be on it. And my team, my engineering team does a weekly one, which we were doing a weekly lunch before all of this. And we just all went somewhere. And it actually yeah. coincides with a product team meeting that I have. So I don't really go very often anyway. But now with the quarantine, I'm like, are we just all sitting around on camera? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, how did I? I'd be curious to know how that works with the whole company. Yeah, I haven't been to the company one yet. I'll, I'll have to do that. But I think that's why you need to have so many different types of communication yeah. and types of fun outlets. Because for me, that sounds a little traumatizing. But some people enjoy it. Yeah, you have to have different things for people who like to be communicated with differently. This is true. And on top of all the you know the fun things to do, whether it's a game or a lunch and learn, I've been taking advantage of this time to get. A weekly demo from my team. It's another, I guess, uh, Scrum kind of event uh, that people didn't want me to do, but now I've actually found it to be incredibly successful. Where just in general, when you when people see your work, you feel more appreciated. You also obviously you're staying in sync with the progress of everything, you know, of, of a given project. And I found that you know it's just a great way to keep everyone engaged on the team because they're pretty much always working towards that. We do like a Friday demo. So it's almost like every week you're you're sprinting towards that demo and we kind of structure the week to make sure that we have something that everyone has at least one thing to demo. That's been another uh ceremony that's kept everyone in touch and me in tune with, you know, where the projects are. That's an amazing idea. I really like that. I know that we've done 
large departments or even, you know, the whole engineering team, the whole product team, the whole marketing team will get together and everyone will see a demo before. But the idea of doing it smaller, are you doing it like at the team? We're doing it at the team level, yeah. So the team just demos. We demo what we did that week. You know, the audience can be other engineers or, you know, specifically like an engineering like leader. That's a great idea. Do you find that engineers are reluctant to do it because either they've already showed it to everyone who's interested, you know, via a PR review or because they don't think that it's interesting enough? Do you have to like push them to do it? Yeah, there there have been times where, you know, I've had engineers say like, oh, I don't have anything to show this week. And I'm like, no, you definitely have. I know you've been working on stuff. Show me. And, and then we'll, it'll kind of force them to break down what they've worked on and realize, oh, like I actually have done some meaningful work this week. And that's always a good morale boost to know that you're contributing to the the team overall. Yeah, I love that. I think I'm going to try and and get my team to do that. Maybe we can pick Fridays, you know, end of the week. I like that idea. Or even if it's every other week, although then it's going to fall in with sprint planning and people aren't going to want to do it. Yeah, that's the problem. You have to disassociate it from like agile ceremonies. Yeah. And it's got to be their thing. It can't be something that they're doing for product, for marketing, or they get you know, uninterested mm-hmm. very quickly. But I found that to be really uh, useful. That's a great idea. Well, it's not all fun and games. It's not all fun and demos. <laughs> Personally, uh, I've had a couple of problems where I think one of my big ones is the, the no headphone rule. I think pretty much every office that I've been in has had this rule. If someone's headphones are on, you know that their head's down working and you shouldn't disturb them. Or you should send them a message first to see if it's okay, you know, if it's something urgent. Otherwise, you wait until their headphones are off. Without the headphones rule, I don't know if I'm disturbing somebody or not. I don't know if I'm breaking an engineer's stride. And because the company is requesting people to be available when they're working remote so that, you know, everyone can communicate with them and know that they're working, it's kind of hard for them to just go on do not disturb or something like that. That's been a challenge for me. Yeah, I agree. Like, it didn't it didn't occur to me for the first like month of all the remote work that I was in meetings all day and I was getting nothing done. And as long as your calendar appears open, people will just book meetings or set up ad hoc, you know, Slack or Zooms with you. So I've begun like intentionally blocking off time, and I think a lot of people do this in general. But I've found this to be especially important now, where I'll block an hour or two hours. Like, try to do it almost every day. And I'll usually title it something like really boring, like calculate customer metrics so that people think like, oh, like he's doing something really like serious and they don't like try to double book me. And then I get and I get that focus time because I think without focus time, like no one's going to be an excellent anything, like whether it's an engineer or a product manager oh, yeah. or a people manager, like you need to have that time to really think about your problems and uh, tackle them and kind of reiterate on them. That's been really helpful for me. Snoozing Slack, I think that's a must if you're having trying to get any focus time into your day. Slack is is such a essential uh, integrated tool. I mean, it's Slack is life at this point. And so you really, really have to manage it. You cannot be passive about it. Someone at, at my office found an integration for Slack that integrates with Google Calendar mm-hmm. to set your status accordingly, which I have found is very useful. Yeah. The only downside for me is I set so many reminders in Google Calendars that I'm pretty much always in a meeting, even if I'm just, you know, reminding myself to do something later. So that's a problem. But yeah, so I think everyone's using Slack statuses way more now, relying on those a lot more heavily than they ever have in the past. If they're at lunch or whatever. 
One big thing that I always try and do is if I'm taking lunch, really take lunch, log off, mute my Slack, you know, do not disturb, whatever it is, walk away from the computer just to try and get away for a little bit. Yeah, that's something I've always really done a terrible job at in the office. Yeah, same. I always felt like this is something that's true of like most product managers. There's just so many things to do in a day that you have to work every minute that's available to you. Yeah, I, I never took lunch before quarantine. I, know. I, I actually do agree. I take more lunches now. Yes. And it's important. Like it's important for like your mental health. It's important because like we don't have we don't have these physical boundaries anymore. Yeah. Um and especially in my situation where I my my day is like one long like 16 hour like blend of like uh, child care and work. And there's really, that's all it is. And then I go to bed. I found that the lunch having like a break in the middle of the day is so important. Yeah, no, totally agree. I think what I would do at work at the office during lunch is enjoy the fact that everyone else had left and I had the place to myself and I had some quiet time and I can get a lot done during lunch, get a lot of work done. But at home, I'm already getting a lot of work done all the time. So I think it's important to unplug for a few minutes. Absolutely. So yeah, what are the other issues that we might have as product managers working remotely, not in the office? I know one thing for me that I, it took me a little while to realize this was I, I love to whiteboard like in meetings. Yeah. And it, it just helps like get everyone on the same page. Because I can't tell you how many like meetings I've had where like five people are saying the same thing. And then you walk out of there and realize that you all meant different things later on. And so whiteboards get everyone aligned and not having that, especially with these all these remote meetings was problematic. And then I discovered that they, Zoom actually has a pretty decent whiteboarding tool. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And so you can, I've, I've started using that uh, to kind of draw out and like annotate, like if we're looking at, uh, you know, like a UI design or uh, even like a document, you know, that we've all been talking over collaborating on, you know, being able to draw it up uh, with the whiteboard feature is really good. And then a coworker of mine even went out and got one of those, like a drawing tablet. And he uses that to do like really kind of precise whiteboarding over Zoom. And I think that's been a great tip. He said he found a tablet for, you know, like 50 bucks, something I'm definitely going to plan on doing going forward. Yeah, that's amazing. Speaking of equipment, I think the biggest one for me is a keyboard. My company gave us the opportunity to take monitors and keyboards home. And I was one of the optimistic people that was thinking, oh, well, this is not going to last that long. And worst case scenario, I'll just buy it if I need it. I've been meaning to buy this stuff at home anyway. But now I don't want to have anything shipped to my house that I have to <laughs> decontaminate. So I'm here with no, no monitor and no keyboard, but kind of brings you back to basics. Yeah, I'm very glad that I did bring my monitor home and my keyboard and my laptop stand and my wireless mouse. So I've got pretty much my office set up at home. Without two monitors, I feel it's so useless. And it just allows me to like think bigger, I think, a lot of times. It does. It really does. I miss having two monitors. And I think I might have to go into the office and actually get mine because I think when you're, especially when you're writing requirements or something, you've got the design up, you've got your notes from your meetings, all of this research and, and information that you've gathered and then you're writing in a different screen. It's definitely breaking my productivity a bit not to have those two separate monitors. So you don't have a keyboard at home? I actually had a really nice mechanical keyboard and it broke. So I've been thinking about going and buying, spending a lot of money and buying a really nice mechanical keyboard. I think this quarantine is going to be an opportunity for all the mechanical keyboard enthusiasts to get even more annoying uh, keycaps. I want it. (laughs) Everyone's going to come back to the office and be so loud and bangy. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. No, it, the the keyboard that I was thinking about getting before quarantine is very different than the keyboard I'm thinking about getting now. That's for sure. We really all have changed our perspective a little bit. <laughs> yes. So something else that I found uh, challenging was just, just challenging personalities in general, where I felt, oh, yeah. where I felt like I, I'd finally gotten to a good working relationship with some people uh, in the office. And then we all went to remote work and I felt like a lot of that progress fell apart. I don't know. Do you have any, any good tips for, for working with those challenging folks? As a, as a PM, we work with a variety of personalities. That's such a hard one because a lot of times the answer to working with a difficult personality is to talk to them in person. You know, your tone is so hard to tell over text. Uh, meetings, uh, there's a bunch of other people around. You can't really give that person their, your one-on-one focus time. So just walking over to their desk and talking to them solves so many problems. And now we don't we don't have that opportunity. I think it's important to have those one on one face to face conversations instead of walking over to somebody's desk. What I'll do now is say, hey, can we hop on a quick Slack call and we'll just talk it out instead of typing it out and instead of waiting for the next meeting that has 10 people in it, just get on a call and talk to them one on one. That's helped me. That's really the only thing so far that I found. Yeah, I agree. I think like a face-to-face video call has been the most effective approach to working with, you know, those difficult personalities, making sure that they have their video on. Yeah. Put pressure on them to turn on that camera. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Talk it out. Don't tape it out. I feel like that's going to be a good, like, that's going to be one of those cheesy, like, posters in the workroom or something, in your virtual workroom. I think, well, I'll get it on a t-shirt to wear it to the meeting. I like it. Talk it out. Don't type it out. Don't type in anger. <laughs> I think video, video is the only only thing that you can do at this point. Well, I was reading some statistics on HubSpot. They had a couple of articles about stats for remote work. And I think some of the stats that I read kind of mirror the things that we've been talking about and that we've noticed. Something like 23% of remote workers say they work longer hours. Um, they have trouble unplugging after work. While I think working long hours is beneficial to the company, you don't want people to burn out and encouraging people to unplug, I think is, is huge. Absolutely. Yeah. That's been a big challenge. I think in general, just as, as all these remote technologies like Slack and Zoom and Skype and all these have kind of blurred the lines between work and home life. And obviously now there, there just is no boundary, at least before you might've had a physical boundary, Yeah. but now the virtual and, and physical boundaries have all dissolved away. So yeah, I think it's really important to do draw boundaries like, like we said, take a lunch. Don't work every night, all night. Protect your time, your focus time as much as possible because who knows how much longer this will go on. I've been hearing like yeah. September from a lot of companies and I think like large companies like Google and Facebook are saying they'll be back in the office by October. So who knows at this point? Like definitely be prepared for this remote works environment for at least a few more months. Oh, absolutely. I think something that too, sometimes as product managers and we we both just said it that we work through lunch all the time when we're in the office. And this is a novel experience to actually literally take a lunch now that we're in quarantine is that we do need to lead by example when we're talking to these engineers about their time, make sure that they are taking vacation. You know, just because you're working from home all the time doesn't mean it's a vacation. In fact, it should mean that you're working. So you should still take your vacation. I think it's important to lead by example, make sure that you're taking care of yourself as well. And one thing that I try and do is if someone tells me that they're on vacation, I don't ping them. I'm not slacking them. 
I might email them, but you always say, you know, please read this later, that kind of thing. That's just common courtesy, uh, pandemic or no, don't bother people when they're on PTO. So true. 19% of remote employees report loneliness as their biggest challenge. I feel like during the quarantine, this one's not really that much of a problem for people. (laughs) Really? If anything, I've heard so many people tell me that they're very sick of their significant other, their pets, their children. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I have had I have had a couple coworkers who live alone, and it it does sound like uh, working alone and stay and being alone like, oh, all yeah. the time does take its toll on you. Oh, absolutely! I'm like the ultimate introvert, uh, so I'm staying at my dad's house, so I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, if you're if you live alone, there's definitely a major issue with loneliness. I can only imagine because it's not like you're even going out with friends at the end of the day. So that's something to watch for too. Yeah. So what are some good resources that people could look to for, you know, ideas on how to be successful in this remote work environment? One company that I've always looked for guidance from is AHA. They make product management software. It's going to sound like a plug. <laughs> it's really nice. I do love their software. That's our first sponsor, Katie. <laughs> uh, but no, they're a great company. They really do make great product management software, but their CEO, um, also does a blog and he talks all the time about the challenges behind remote work and how he deals with it, how their company deals with it. It's a great resource if you're ever interested in how other companies are doing it. Yeah. And uh, another company is Zapier that does, they do a lot of like kind of automation software that connects different uh, disparate pieces of software. Uh, They're also a 100% remote work company and they have a lot of good blogs and resources and tips on, you know, how to be effective and productive in in this kind of remote environment. Yep. And I think above all, the only thing other than that that we can all do is just to be patient. People have kids, they have dogs, they have the craziness of living alone or just dealing with all this. It's a lot of pressure on everybody. So just be patient, give people a little bit of time, give them a little bit of space. Yeah. 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 We get it. You're stressed. Join the club. You know, I mean, that's how I feel. No, don't, don't tell people that that comes across as a little harsh. All right. Maybe don't say that. (laughs) Empathize with your coworkers. On that note, this has been another episode of what would you say you do here? (laughs) Very nice. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Adios. (laughs) 